What's up, Bengals fans? 2021 training camp is full underway. We've got added practices, all kinds of sights and sounds coming from a training camp. And we are coming at you at a special time with a special episode because we've got another special guest. Two weeks in a row of a bunch of special guests. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my usual co-host, John Sheeran. John, uh, I'm pretty amped about this one, my friend. Yes, I am. And it comes at a great time. I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty in Bengals Nation right now. We have the voice of like of legendary status, I guess. Like, There's no bigger voice. I guess, in the echelon of former Bengals history. So let's, let's bring him on. We are pleased to be joined once again by legendary Cincinnati Bengal, Anthony Munoz, Hall of Famer, and now member of the inaugural Ring of Honor. Congratulations, Mr. Munoz. How are you today? I'm doing great, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys again. And, you know, it's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, it's a great day at I think it's a, you know, I'm excited to be going in the inaugural class, but I, I think it's an exciting time for the fans, for the team, and also for all the guys I played with and uh, the, the number of excellent players that we've had in this organization. So, but I'm doing good today. Awesome. Well, I know you're extremely busy and we appreciate you carving out time for our show. As our listeners do know, we are raising money not only for the Munoz Foundation and the great work they are doing in the community, but also for the Ken Anderson Alliance and Ken Riley Foundation, all for the members of the Ring of Honor class. We've got a link for you to donate. Please do so. Anthony, I guess I'll just kind of start off. A lot of Bengals were very worthy to be in the Ring of Honor, none more so really than you. But what does it mean for you being enshrined in the inaugural class with two guys that you played with, had an incredible amount of success on the field with, and, uh, you know, uh, two great guys in Ken Anderson and Ken Riley going in with you in the ring of honor. Well, it really is a thrill, man. You look at, uh, you know, you you talk about Ken and Ken and, you know, Paul Brown. I mean, to be going in with those three is amazing for a kid out of uh, Southern California who a lot of people had written off, you know, after that one last game I played at USC. A lot of experts said that uh, may not play anymore after that Rose Bowl. But, you know, for Paul Brown to give me an opportunity in the Brown family, so to be able to go into the first uh, class of Ring of Honor with Paul Brown and then two guys, when I got to Cincinnati, I had a chance. I mean, they'd already established themselves as, you know, great players and I had a chance to play a few years with them at the end of their careers. Ken Anderson and Ken Riley, just ultimate professionals, uh, great careers, and, uh, you know, even better people. That's the great thing about it. Uh, you know, Ken Anderson and Ken Riley, even better people than they were players, and they were very, very, very good ball players. So for me to be uh, in this class with Ken and Ken, number 13, number 14, uh, you know, it, it really is exciting. As many know, you're still involved within the Bengals organization being the voice of, of the preseason broadcast. So th- did you have any any sort of hint or idea that this was coming in the last year? Or, or is it really that surprise when you got that phone call a few few days or weeks before it was announced? Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, with my foundation, I had to talk to the Bengals about, you know, this is our 20th anniversary of the Anthony Munoz Foundation. So I had talked to the Bengals about doing some stuff with our foundation as they have in the past. And then, uh, you know, Troy Blackburn, Blackburn called me in a while back and said, you know, can you come in and we, we just need to talk? And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to talk about the foundation. 
So I got there and I went into conference room and I sat down. All of a sudden, Mike Brown comes in, Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, Elizabeth Black. I mean, the whole family comes into to the conference room, and I'm thinking, now we're talking foundation. This is the whole family. I'm pretty <laughs> impressed. And uh, so I sat down, and Mike Brown proceeded to say, you know, we're doing the Ring of Honor, and uh, we're going to have. And so they explained everything and said, you know, Dad. You know, being Paul Brown and, and Anthony, you're the first two. And then Elizabeth Blackburn explained the, the whole vote by the season ticket holders, and that was Kenny and Kenny. But, yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I, I think something leaked out, uh, you know, social media-wise, and I started getting all these texts, and I, I knew nothing about it. And they're like, well, you know, we saw this on social media, then it was taken off. And uh, so I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but then, you know, I got the word, and then they announced it. So, uh yeah, it was it was one of those things where bang, it just came about. I heard about it, didn't really know about it, and uh, and you know here it was. So it, it is. It's very humbling, pretty exciting that this is happening. Uh, I'm looking forward to the um, you know the the September 30th game against the Jaguars. The Thursday night game is the game they're going to you know really do the ceremony. And but the great thing about it, I'm pretty sure they've announced it already. Is you know we're 40 years out from Super Bowl uh, 16. So not only are they going to do the Ring of Honor, have all 17 guys that are on the ballot, but also bring in guys from Super Bowl 16 team. So it's going to be a pretty cool evening. Talking with Anthony Munoz, Bengals Hall of Famer and newest member of the Bengals inaugural class of the Ring of Honor. Talking to him a little bit about that. We're going to hear a little bit about his thoughts of the 2021 Bengals as he's been at training camp. So we've got some questions there. And of course, he is here to talk about the Munoz Foundation. We'll we'll hear more about that in just a second. Anthony, what do you think this does for you? You for the longest time, I mean, you've got Paul Brown in the Hall of Fame. You are the only Bengals player. There are other players in the Hall of Fame who played for the Bengals, but you are the only player in Canton that is specifically enshrined as a player, as a Cincinnati Bengals player. What do you think this does for the chances with Ken Riley, Ken Anderson, and a lot of the fan endeavors that have been going on, you know, the March to Canton and all this kind of stuff to yeah. bring recognition to guys. What, what do you think the Ring of Honor does to hopefully get those guys their rightful place in the Hall of Fame with you? Well, you know, my thoughts, it shouldn't have taken this Ring of Honor to, to really, you know, get things moving, but uh, hopefully it does. You know, there's no no question that Ken Anderson and Ken Riley should be in the Hall already. Uh, they should have been in, you know, quite a while ago. I mean, look at Kenny Anderson's statistics when he retired one and two in just about every category, 16 years in the league, I think is a four-time passing champ, MVP. So, you know, hopefully this ring of honor, they, you know, the, the senior selectors will see that, yeah, this guy is a real deal. Kenny Riley, number five all-time interceptor, you know, the top eight guys. He's the only one of the top eight not in, the, you know, as far as all-time leading uh, guys that have picked off passes. So hopefully this will, will – you know, really get things moving. And they'll see that uh, this organization has had in the 50 plus years it's been in existence has more than just one pro football hall of famer. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will happen. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it's a shame that Kenny Riley is no longer with us. So, you know, if that happens, you know, the family will be able to celebrate, but hopefully in the next, uh, you know, selection or two, Kenny Anderson will be in and be able to, to really enjoy it with his family. Well, we talked to Ken uh, Anderson last week, and we asked him if, if any of his former teammates were to be next inducted in the Ring of Honor. He chose uh, Isaac Curtis. If Anthony Munoz has a vote for the next Ring of Honor, who 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 are you choosing to, to in, uh, induct after yourself? If I have a vote, I'm going to bring in about 10 guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
I'm going to get Isaac. I'm going to get you know, you got to have the all-time leading scorer of the Bengals, Jim Breach. Yeah. You know, uh, you know Isaac Curtis, and I mean, you can just go right down. Boomer Esiason, you know, MVP, you know, 16 years, and I mean, I can just go on and on. Reggie Williams, Max Montoya, you know. So it's like, but you know, I'm glad that uh, they're leaving it up to the fans to vote because I. I would say, well, guys, I need to bring in more than just uh, maybe a handful. <laughs> Ty, yeah, Ty, and by the way, kickers are people too. So, yes, Jim Breach, very deserving. Uh, Anthony Munoz joining us on the line. Happy to have him with us talking about the Ring of Honor, his induction into it, the 2021 Bengals, and, of course, the Munoz Foundation. Uh, about four months ago, Anthony, we had someone who – uh, was was trying to the Bengals for a lot of years were trying to replace you at left tackle. And one of the guys that they landed on was Richmond Webb at the end of his career. Well, I'm going to play you a real quick clip. I hope you can hear it well. But basically, there was a little tidbit of information. Number one, he gave you some some proper applause. But uh, number two, there was a little bit of a tidbit of a piece of information there that I found interesting. I didn't know if this is true or not, so I want to check with you. But I'm going to play this for you real quick. One of the guys that I looked up uh, was Anthony Munoz. And, you know, he's the prototype. He's a pro. He's the guy that, you know, everybody kind of patting themselves after. I can remember when I signed with uh, Cincinnati and they was like, you know, we had the same number, but it, it was an unwritten rule that they just don't give that number. Out. And I said, hey, man, mm. I got too much respect for Anthony. I, I'll pick another. You don't have to worry about me kicking, a, kicking up or starting to fuss about it. A number you I just respected him that much and, and I'm so Anthony uh I guess my question number one I mean he's uh, one of the best tackles of his generation Richmond Webb obviously letting you know what you meant to him in his career but number two uh, you know there's uh, we always clamored as fans for a ring of honor and you know they, they didn't retire numbers they didn't do all this kind of stuff but I guess there was this unspoken rule about your jersey I did not know that did you know that I I did not know that you know it's uh you know, it's one of those things where you know, if I if I was a part owner, if I did, you know, had something to do, maybe I you know could have a say. But it's you know, it's not. I, I didn't know that. I mean, I really didn't know this unwritten rule. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting to hear that. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm yeah. glad we're able to relay that then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's wild. So, Anthony, you're back in town in Cincinnati, uh, preparing to call the first preseason game in a week and you got the chance to be on the practice field yesterday and offensive line coach Frank Pollock invited you out to speak to speak with the uh, the offensive linemen what are your first impressions or I guess second impressions of Pollock because he was here in 2018 what, what do you think about him coming back to the team and can you give us a little sneak peek or a little bit about what you said to the offensive linemen on Tuesday yeah in fact uh, you know first of all I'm really thrilled to see Frank Pollock back you know three years ago when he was here uh, you know, Joe Mixon had his best year, uh, best year rushing the football. Uh, I've watched him at work three years ago, very technically sound as a coach. And he, he's not, you know, he'll get in your face. The guy had, what, eight to ten years in the league. He knows what it takes. He has a Super Bowl ring. So I think right there, that this that's pretty good credentials. But not only that, but he's an excellent teacher. So, you know, prior to the draft, you know, people always ask me, who'd you want, who'd you want? And of course, you know, I thought Panay was a, a guy that might, uh, you know, be a guy, but then they took Chase. And I said, well, that's that's all fine and dandy. We have another weapon. But I tell people now, I'm glad that Frank's back. You know, he's a, the offensive line coach, is a run coordinator. And yesterday, first day in pads, 
usually as an offensive lineman, when you're going one-on-one, it takes a little bit to get your feet under you. But I'd have to say, you know, for the most part, I'd say 90, 95% of what I saw one-on-one yesterday was pretty impressive, technically, uh, you know, intensity. So I'm, I'm really excited and, you know, really looking forward to watching this, uh, this line that, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, really, uh, it's been a, a topic of conversation of the area that needs to improve. But I think with Riley Reap coming in, uh, you know, I think Jonas on the uprise last year, he's got to stay healthy. But, uh, you know, I had a chance to, you know, Dave Lapham, who was my left guard for my first four years, has been the Bengals voice on radio for, you know, 35, 37, I don't know, some mid 30 years. We both had a chance to address them. And I just basically shared with the guys that, you know, just, you know, listen. Don't listen to all the noise outside. Listen to one guy, and that's your coach. He'll he'll teach you. He'll he'll be honest with you, and just continue to work on the technique. And I said that's you know remain coachable. Don't have the attitude that you know everything because I was in my 11th, 12th, and 13th year still learning things. And one young man said, "So what do you need to do in order to to get to the highest level?" I said, "You need to do technique." over and over and over i mean we were when i was playing we were working on stance and footwork my 10th 11th 13th year week 12 13 14 so yeah i just told them they have a lot of fans here in cincinnati there's a lot of guys that played that made cincinnati home so you know we have 40 to 50 guys that still root for them are big fans and i just you know want to let them know that uh, that's what it takes is just uh, you know hard hard work and you know, because offensive linemen were working on steps every single day. And I think Frank's uh, mantra is, you know, master the mundane. And that's what you have to do, man. You got to continue to do the, the footwork, the stance, and just be sharp in all those areas. So just kind of, you know, affirm those type of things and uh, to let them know that, you know, hey, we're rooting for them. Talking with Anthony Munoz, going to hear about his foundation in just a minute. Thank you for your time, Anthony. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Kind of to continue on a little bit of what you were just talking about. You've been at Bengals practice and uh, you've seen some things. You like some things you saw yesterday at the padded practice. What, what is your expectations in terms of improvement? Um, what's the outlook? And I, I feel like every, you, you come on our show annually and every year I'm like, Anthony, what's it, what's, what's the offensive line looking like? So um, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a big third year for Zach Taylor and everybody. Yep. What, what are your expectations for this team this year? And, uh, you know, how competitive can they be? And are you worried about some of the stuff that's come out recently with the offense maybe being a little behind in practices so far? So, first of all, you know, that happens. Offense is behind. And, I mean, back in the, the olden days when I was here, back, you know, when we were wearing the uh, leather uh, helmets, it was that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm not worried about that because, you know, that's just part of the game. Uh, the offense has always has, you know, you know, things to do and get caught up. Uh, you know, what I just have to say, so, of course, last year with COVID, I was not down there at all. We didn't do preseason. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get to get introduced or meet the young guys. So I'm sitting on the field yesterday, and Higgins does, you know, grabs the ball with one hand in the end zone from Joe, and the guy kind of walks by, and I turn and I look at the guy and said, this is a wide receiver. I said, the guy is every bit 6'4", if not more. I mean, he looks like he's about two. 220 and the guy is smooth got great hands i'm thinking now they got chase and they got boyd and so with my expectations i really believe this offensive line is going to be much better i think joe mixon i mean 
he looks amazing. I think this offense is going to be pretty productive. Joe, I think, is is healthy. He looked pretty good out there. And just the way he's throwing the ball and commanded the, the offense. So, you know, every year I'm pretty optimistic. I think this year with a lot of the changes they have, and you, you look at this roster, and, you know, since Zach's been there, not a lot, a lot of guys that, you know, were there before Zach. So he, he's kind of – it is his uh, time to, to do things, you know, to win ball games. And uh, watching the secondary with some of the new guys that have come in, uh, you know, and so you know, always optimistic, but uh, you still got to get out there. And you know, you know, Minnesota, September twelfth, that's when it all starts, and that's when you got to be able to, to score a lot of points with all those wide receivers and uh, mixing, and you'll be able to, to cover people, which I think they have a pretty good secondary. Watching them yesterday. Well, as you mentioned, Anthony, the Anthony Munoz Foundation is turning uh, 20 years old, I believe, this year or next year. Could you? And it's a part of our charity uh, fest that has been going on for the past week, and we're really excited that we're going to be able to make a sizable donation to your foundation. Can you give us and our listeners a, a quick synopsis about the, the, the foundation itself, how it started, and, and kind of where it's gone over the past 20 years? Yeah, this is our 20th anniversary this year, which has been a great year coming out of pandemic uh uh, last year, you know, we were able to do some things differently, reinvent yourself virtually. We had a chance to reach more kids with our seven programs, still uh, working on it. It's getting better being, you know, having programs in person with the young people. But like I said, coming out of last year, we had an excellent, excellent year last year. This year has been phenomenal with the retention of partners, new partners with our seven programs, our mentoring, our uh, mentoring program, leadership conference, you know, our overnight character camps. And this year we stepped it up. And at our dinner in June, we usually have our 18 scholarships we give in the spring. We gave those. And then we have, you know, big, pretty big scholarship, $20,000 scholarship. We usually do four to six. This year we did 16 $20,000 scholarships in addition to the 18. So, yeah, things are going well. You know, our partners continue to be there to help us impact young people. And, uh, you know, with our 20th anniversary here, uh, things are rolling. Our staff is doing a phenomenal job. And I've surrounded myself with a great board, a lot of great volunteers, and a lot of great corporate partners in Cincinnati. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going pretty good. You know, like I said, seven programs, and uh, we continue to roll and get a chance to, uh, to, you know, have some programs to try to impact some young, pe- young people here in greater Cincinnati. Well, it's no coincidence that every single player in the inaugural Ring of Honor class for the Bengals won an NFL Man of the Year award, yourself included. And uh, thank you for the great work that you do through the Munoz Foundation. We've we've raised so far over 1100 bucks, and uh, we've got a loftier, loftier goal to uh, – to get more for all of the charities that we are um, highlighting. Anthony, thank you so much for your time. Just personally speaking, um, you know, you were one of my favorite players, my family, my father's a big USC guy. You and Marcus Allen were his guys at USC. My brother grew up watching you as a Bengals fan. So it's always just a personal treat to have you on this show. And thanks for being so kind to us. Hey, guys, thank you very much. Always great talking to you guys. Appreciate what you're doing for the uh, Anderson, Kenny Anderson, and the Riley Foundation and my foundation. Uh, keep up the great work, and you guys know anytime we can work it out, I'll be happy to talk to you guys. So thank you very much, and uh, who day? Yeah, who day and fight on. Congratulations on the Ring of Honor uh-huh. inauguration there. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. You too. Anthony Munoz, best to do it for the Cincinnati Bengals, joining us on the Orange and Black Insider. Man, oh man, I always, I always fanboy out at that one, John. Really I mean, do. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, every time. I just, 
Can you can you see I'm 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 glowing uh, that Anthony Munoz joined us on the program. I love that guy. You can see him on the uh, Bengals preseason television broadcast. He's the color analyst there. He's an omnipresent presence in the greater Cincinnati area. John, what a great guy! What a great guy! I mean, it, it was obvious. Like when when we heard, whenever you heard about the Ring of Honor, it was obvious that he was going to be the first to go in, if not yeah. the second, with Paul Brown. But I mean, he comes on every year, and it's and it's the same Anthony Munoz, regardless of the state of the team, regardless of anything that he has going on. He's always very generous with his time. And in terms of ambassadors for the team, like there's Chad Johnson, and in my opinion, there's there's Anthony Munoz. He's someone that everyone knows. His reputation perceives himself, and it's just, it's just awesome always having him on. Go to MunozFoundation.org for more information as to how you can get involved. Please, please, please. We put the donate link in the live chats. We put it on the post in CincyJungle.com. We'll put it again. Um, we uh, we have gotten some more donations to help out the Ken Anderson Alliance, Munoz Foundation, and Ken Riley's Foundation. Um, we are still short. We set a lofty goal. We are still a little bit short, but we've been gaining some momentum. We hope that the appearance by Anthony Munoz will help kind of drive more because we want to make a sizable impact to all three of the charities for the Ring of Honor inductees. And um, just stoked that that Anthony Munoz was able to join us and uh man that was that was fun that was fun he's dude he's he's a busy guy and for him to kind of carve out 15 20 minutes i mean not only is he getting set for the preseason tv stuff he's attending Bengals training camp he's running a foundation um he did squeeze in a little golf hey nothing wrong with that but uh you know just a really really busy guy a family man and uh just can't say enough good things about him not only the guy off the field, but obviously the one on it. So uh, very, very pleased to be joined by him. And of course, Ken Anderson and Ken Riley, the second last week, really, really cool stuff. We hope that all of you enjoyed those interviews as well. John, hard to, hard to segue here, I guess. Should we, should we segue to symbol before we get into training camp news and notes? Uh, Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little symbol for those who do not know, would you educate us on the world that is Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L? Right. So Symbol, if you guys have still been living under whatever rock that you preside under, <laughs> is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams just like stocks. It really is that simple. Every team in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and just starting last month, college football has a Symbol price attached to it. And those prices move based on you guys, the users. The current, I think, think Sim Bengals price is still in the $55 range. It's just under the Kansas City Chiefs for the top of the Sim NFL market. But really, it is that simple. It's a simple process. You guys know which teams are good, which teams are bad, which teams are going to get better. And Symbol allows you to leverage that knowledge and make a decent profit off of it in the long term. It is a long-term investment type of game. It's not necessarily gambling, but it is in that same realm of fantasy sports and really putting your money where your mouth is or really where your mouse is in this case. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's why they pay you the big bucks with those clever quips like that, John. I love it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Let's transition to 2021 training camp. There are a lot of headlines. I think it is practice going on while we're, I, I was so busy. I it is, yeah. yeah. So I, I figured it might be by the time we're, we're hitting the air here, but uh, we wanted to accommodate Mr. Munoz's schedule to get him on the air. And then of course we've got a lot to get to about training camp. We're going to play maybe a little game with this, John. Uh, we can, if this goes well, we can make it a segment. If not, we can just, chuck it in the dumpster afterward, but we're going to play a little game and it's going to be based on the headlines we are hearing, whether it's hype or not. And feel free to add in your own. I've got a couple that I've, I've researched. So feel free to add in your own as well to ask John, but we're going to play a game. It's called believe it or not. And what this is, is we're going to, we're going to say a specific headline that we're hearing from Bengals training camp. We're about a weekend now. And we're going to say, do we buy into the hype? Do we buy into the panic or not? And why? So let's get to believe it. Well, if you are to believe a lot of things, John, I guess at any place, this may be, I'm, I'm debating if I want to save this for the end or not, but I guess this is such big talk in terms of Bengals training camp what's been happening especially over the past couple of days so i guess we'll kick it off with the big story or one of the biggest stories and that is with joe burrow and an article that i believe paul daner jr wrote from the athletic noting some observations of camp now usually these types of things don't get a massive amount of run especially with the cincinnati Bengals, because you know, the Bengals just don't move the national needle all that much. But when you've got a guy like Joe Burrow coming back from an injury, obviously high profile guy, number one overall pick. There's a lot to talk about. This was a snippet of Paul Daner Jr.'s uh, breakdown here, and I'll read some of it. And of course, go buy a subscription to The Athletic and get the great content that both Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison put out on their coverage with the Cincinnati Bengals. But here, here it is. I guess uh, three down, he's, he writes, Joe Burrow, it's not. It's just not good right now. Throws that felt like layups last year are dropping harmlessly away from receivers or easily broken up by multiple defenders. There might be a multitude of reasons for the struggles, but this has been ugly. At one point, pressure pushed into his face, and Burrow lifted his leg into the air almost to avoid any accident with the close pocket. It makes you wonder if the knee is still in his head, but that's strictly guesswork. The bottom line is there's no way to say... His play looks comfortable at this point, and this isn't at all what you have seen from Burrow, even in the early camp moments of last season when they didn't have training camp, a full training camp, didn't have preseason. Nobody is saying it won't turn around. In fact, it almost certainly will soon. But if we are looking at Tuesday, which was a bad day, I guess, for, for the team, we are looking at a quarterback who went 5 of 12 with one completion longer than 10 yards against a rush trained not to get near him. So... Believe the panic or not believe the panic, John Sheeran? It is the job of Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison and any other beat writer for the Bengals to report what they see on the practice field. It is the responsibility, I suppose, of NFL fans to take those reports on Twitter and kind of run with them with the way that, that we see fit. And it is our job, I guess, to provide context for those reports and for those reactions. So do I believe, do I buy that the offense is not clicking right now? And that's a slight cause for concern. Sure. Because that's exactly what's going on. But do I think that this in any way, shape or form is going to lead into what happens in September and October? 
like it's, it's training camp. I feel like over, over the past couple of days, like me personally, I've come to the realization that we only care about training camp because there's no games that follow it. It's really just the preseason that, that leads into it. But we care so much about training camp because it's the first football that we see in eight months. We don't care at all what happens in practice between weeks two and three or just any time in the regular season. All we care about in the regular season with practice is literally just who's injured, who, who's on the injury report, who's going to be playing on Sunday or not. And that's really kind of what we should care about in training camp too. The fact that Burrow was out there with this re- with this three receivers, with the ma- the vast majority of his offense line with Joe Mixon, and the, basically the entire defense is starting as well. That is good news. That is the only good news that that really does matter. Because are you seeing what's happening in Indianapolis right now? With just, <laughs> with just, just hell, just overcoming the entire state of Indiana with everything that's going on with that. It could be so much worse. And I feel like that is. That is what can go wrong in training camp. If mistakes are made with the offense in terms of just not being on the same page and having the defense just having to get the better of them the first day the pads comes on, that's fine. That's, that's that's literally what football practice is. This is Joe Burrow's – that was his first practice with pads on since he last put on pads on November 22nd in, in Landover, Maryland. It was the first time. The fact that he was even out there, again, is impressive in its own right. Did it go so well? Absolutely not. Of course not. Defense got the better of him, and they just didn't get anything going. I think when Dana Jr. logged in this morning and saw just the the massive reactions to that report, he also noted that there was extra context with what the offense was doing. I think, quote, for Taylor, a big selling point for the passing game to start to to take off was most of the practice has been install-based, restricts quarterback's options. That's essentially over now. Going forward, it will be more free, move the ball periods, which obviously plays to Burrow's strength. This is still very early in training camp and very early in the offense's installation period. And right now, the def- like Anthony Munoz just said, the defense always has the advantages of this time of year, specifically with the defensive line. And that's just kind of what it is right now. Do I think it's going to matter in September? Probably not. There are multiple layers to this. And quite often, I, I, I get to be after watching this team for a long period of time, I can be knee-jerk reactionary. I was a little disappointed when I read this this morning, but there are so many nuances to this and so many things that point to this correcting itself, maybe not exactly on week one, but at least the ship being righted to a large degree by that point. I'm a little bit in the boat. Here's Matt D saying it's August 4th. Let's see where he's at in five weeks. I don't know if I need, I, I don't necessarily want to wait five weeks to see improvement, but maybe, maybe two or three, give me, give me some time here. And I think you made a very valid point that not a lot of people are thinking about. And that is the fact that this is the first time that Joe Burrow was in a padded practice, any kind of pads scenarios really since late last year. And so there, there's obvious rust. There are still some young players on this team there are elements there in video clips of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, sometimes Tyler Boyd, but others working on the deep ball, working on other things after practice. So they are putting in the time to make sure afterward that things are going to be righted in terms of the, the ship. Now, I think also, you know, there's this, oh, you know, nothing was over 10 yards completion and that sort of thing. Well, I mean, a lot of times last year, and one of the stronger points of Joe Burrow is accuracy and in the short and intermediate passing game that he he excels at that. And now what he is trying to add to his repertoire is a strong long ball. So look, I, I don't think it's time to panic. There's a little bit of uneasiness, I think, but from at least for me, 
but I still need to see things, you know, if we're still talking about the same issues two, three weeks down the road, things aren't improving, then I'm worried. But for right now, I think, you know, the national noise is what it is. And the Bengals screwed up. They should have got Sewell and they should have. That's that's not what we're talking about here. And so I, I think I think we need to kind of hit the brakes a little bit and wait and see if, in a couple of weeks. That's my take. But that's exactly what. That, that article's purpose was as soon as it reached Twitter, like it was going to get traction in, in that uh, audience. And when it reached a certain um, uh, demographic of, of users and just analysts in itself, it's, it's just easy pickings to see, oh, Burrow's struggling. The offensive line is in, is in dysfunct. This could have been avoided if they had made a different decision or taken a different approach. And this is just easy clicks. This is just easy you know, discourse for me and my priors and my agenda, like that, that's what Twitter is, right? You, you see something like that and you kind of run with it because it confirms a bias that you previously had, you know, there's no need to get into the context because that's not their job, right? It's, it's really our job to insert that context and, and to not overlay or relay the panic that, that doesn't quite exist just yet. But of course, this is, this is what training camp is. As long as everyone is healthy or basically most people are healthy and they don't leave camp with any serious injuries, these issues are naturally going to work themselves out. And of course, it may not be perfectly pretty in the first two weeks, but I think the base right 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 now, it's still enough to be confident that there, there's going to be improvement going forward. So on Twitter here, it might not be bad news, but it's definitely not good news. Okay. And yes, Hakeem, we saw we saw your your comment. I know uh, you had said I thought my comment was worthy of recognition. It was a good comment, my friend. It's concerned, but we have five weeks to correct it again. I don't know that I want to wait five weeks. Matt said the same thing. Um, and I agree with John. It could be much worse if someone of importance is injured. Yeah, injuries right now, that that is my main concern, given what's happened in the early practices, the first two years of Zach Taylor's tenure, you know, losing guys, very, very important players early in training camp. You know, that's just not not ideal. And obviously that's almost every time I, I read a practice report or a training camp practice report for the Bengals, I'm like, oh my gosh, who was injured? What happened? Did they call out the card for anybody? Any of that stuff, because I don't want to see it. Can't have it. Do you want to go next or do you want me to, to rattle you with another one? Yeah, I'm going to throw one at you on the other side of the ball because yeah. I think Charlie Goldsmith of the Inquirer said it best. Training camp is literally a zero-sum game. Whenever there's negative news, there's always positive news that causes it, right? Like, it's just it's just kind of what it is. You're going against your own team. So with all the struggles on the offense side of the ball, the defense has been getting a lot of credit. You know, it's, it's kind of coming together in Luna Rumo's third year, you know, as we know, the defensive line usually is ahead of the offensive line at this point in training camp. That's what it always is. I know there's some hype with um, Trey Hendrickson getting in on some pressures and even intercepting Joe Burrow, but it really is has been the secondary that has been getting the most attention, the most praise, specifically with Shadobia Awuzie and Mike Hilton as the new additions. Are you buying, I guess, how good Awuzie and Hilton are meshing in this defense? Or, uh, again, is it still just a product of the offense kind of getting into its form and getting its timing down is is Awuzie and Hilton right now looking like the real deal and, and should we treat it as that yes yes I I think there are elements uh not to be a, a fence writer like I tend to do on this show every once in a while I, I do think there are elements of what you're saying on the flip side where the receivers are trying to find their way the offense is trying to find their way Joe Burrow's trying to find his way they're moving pieces up front on the offensive line in terms of who's getting starting reps who's not all of that, yes. But those two guys were brought in for specific purposes. Yes, a little more affordability than William Jackson. There are some undertones as well about 
finger pointing and whatnot. Some people think that was William Jackson. I'm not going to point fingers, but there's been talk of that as well as other elements and players in the locker room. They, they, I think it was Von Bell that said there was a lot of finger pointing last year and they don't want to do that this year. Whatever that is, whoever that is or was, I don't necessarily know, but there's some conjecture out there. But these guys, aside from affordability, aside from William Jackson, those guys were brought in for that aspect, but also they're physical and they're athletic. And Hilton is a physical, physical corner. He's a guy who will blitz the quarterback and will sack the quarterback. He will bring pressure on the quarterback and play the slot corner at a very high level, very highly ranked by PFF in terms of slot corner play over the past couple of years. And then of course, a Wuzier, a guy who's had a down year because of injuries, but highly athletic, another physical guy. And that's, that's what those guys were brought in for. And so I, I think while a lot of people, including myself, were sad to see William Jackson go because he is a talented guy. He's got high end athleticism these are guys that are bringing a little bit of a different element, willing tacklers, more physical, and they're getting in there breaking up, at least from videos I can see and reports that I've read. They're getting in there breaking passes and being physical with these big wide receivers that the Bengals have. So, yeah, I think they are the real deal. And I think potentially we can ask this next, but I think some of the stuff going on with the defensive line, some improvement in terms of pass rush, et cetera, that's helping things too. I think th- there's a discussion to be had about like the evolution of Anarumo's defense and which players fit or didn't fit and who are now gone and who are now there. I-, I think with the secondary, I think that conversation brings a little bit more validity compared to like the defensive line. I, I think with Awuzie compared to like William Jackson and even Mike Hilton compared to Mackenzie Alexander, I think the talent level, the aggregate talent level, I guess, is the same. But I think there might be a little bit of a better fit in terms of what they're asked to do within the scheme and their comfort level. And I think that's probably already showing. Now, again, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the quarterbacks are primarily struggling. I mean, we don't really know what Brandon Allen is doing right now with the ones in place of Joe Burrow, who got the day off today. But I think Burrow is still getting comfortable and still, you know, finding his footing in 11 on 11 again. And Awuzie and Hill were taking advantage of that. But also, I think there is, in terms of, of where they are within the defense and within the scheme, I think they're far ahead, I think, compared to where I thought that, that they would be as new starters in this defense. So I think there is some weight to them fitting better in this defense than compared to the predecessors. And they're just kind of taking advantage of the offensive struggles. But I think overall, though, talent-wise, they're good enough to keep this momentum going. I believe so as well. And I, I think there were some there were some hesitations on my end, and I think a lot of Bengals fans – and in terms of a potential swap out for a Wuzier and William Jackson, or if you want to say it's Trey Waynes and William Jackson, whatever you want to, you want to make that out to be. But um, you know, that, that's, it's been a, uh, a good looking exchange in terms of the cornerbacks that they've brought in. And of course, Hilton hopefully brings you even a little bit more than what Mackenzie Alexander brought you last year out of the slot. So um, good, good stuff from those guys. Now there's a lot of talk, John, I guess this would be believe it or not, or believe the panic or not, or the hype or not. It's a little bit of both. The offensive line. We've had, there's been a lot of rotating guys in and out. I think today you had Jackson Carmen getting starting reps, and then it was Michael Jordan, right? Uh, as of Wednesday, that was getting some starter reps. Previous to the beginning of this week, Jackson Carmen was not getting starter reps. It was Xavier Suofilo and Quentin Spain that were getting starter reps. And, uh, you know, of course, you've got uh, Riley Reef was was out for a little bit. He had a little uh, ding, but he, uh, you know, he should be fine. 
I mean, we know the tackles. We don't really know the guard situation fully at this point. Trey Hopkins has been cleared to pr- to play and practice, so you know we think he's going to be good to go there. But uh, there's also been some hype with Jackson Carmen. He was going up against Josh Tupo and held his own. I, I believe it was in yesterday's practice, and I'll try and find some footage of that to to show. But I guess there's a little bit of hype and panic because it seems as if the Bengals are still unsettled a little bit on the offensive line. The rookie is biding his time until recently but he's been playing well now when he's been in there, at least at certain spots. What do you, what do you make of the hype? Believe it or not. What do you make of the panic? Believe that or not with the offensive line. I think there's some way to the panic. Um, but also like, I don't know if we've seen enough of Carmen to really get hype about it. I think it's still a lot of potential based. Like we've only seen like a handful of reps, at least on camera. Like there's been some reporting of, of how he's looked and whatnot, but you know, we all we knew is that Xavier Suofilo came into camp as the starter, even though Jackson Carmen was the quote unquote starter during OTAs and minicamp. So something must have happened over the summer. Maybe it was an executive decision by Taylor or Pollock to get the veteran in there to, to start and kind of ease in uh, Carmen and also Jordan on the other side. So right now we don't really know what, which configuration of guards is going to be out there. I think we're going to find out more in the preseason. And that's really when these jobs are going to be won or lost. It's not really going to happen and a couple of padded practices in, in training camp, you know, it, it, even before the pads came on, there was talk about why isn't Carmen getting these first team reps again, like they're, they're in shorts and shirts. Like there's not really much that they can do anyways. I think they were giving Carmen a chance to kind of, you know, watch as things go on from the sideline and, and get himself acclimated to get those starting reps whenever the pads come on. But yeah, I, I think it is, anytime you don't have your five guys set, there's always, you know, some concern or some validity with the panic, but that's really, that really is what it is. I think we can be confident that Quinn Spain, is going to look better than Michael Jordan at a left guard, and we can kind of pencil him in at the starter spot. But it really is going to come down to these three preseason games, how Jackson Carmen looks compared to Suofilo at right guard. Because if Suofilo is out there week one, we have to assume that he's clearly the better player or there's just not comfort level enough with Jackson Carmen. But if Carmen's out there, you know, it means he really balled out in the preseason. You know, The worst case would be they, they both don't look too good but Carmen barely looks better, I guess. And he's out there as a, as a rookie, even though he didn't really impress in preseason. So I think it is a little bit too early to really, you know, full send the panic on this one. But anytime you don't have your five guys set, there is always some uncertainty there. This is on a little bit of a loop. This video we're playing. If you're watching the video feed, it is from Jay Morrison of the athletic. It's, it's the athletic day on, on the podcast, talking a lot of coverage from those two great guys, Jay Morrison and Paul Daner. Um, this is Jackson Carmen kind of standing, standing up Josh Tupo a bit, Tupo, uh, kind of combination of loses his footing. And then obviously, uh, Carmen blocks him a little bit, uh, down to the ground as well. So good, you know, kind of good showing there. And I guess it led to some sort of, uh, I don't know, brawl, or I don't even know if you want to call it that some sort of thing at the end of the end of the practice there, but uh, there's, it all depends on someone's expectations of the group, right? I mean, I think we all are at least expecting marginal improvement and that's kind of maybe where we should have our expectations, at least early on. One of our favorite guys or my favorite guy in, in the draft, one of them was Deontay Smith. And apparently he had a real rough go of things earlier this week against Sam Hubbard. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of improvements to be made. You just heard Anthony Munoz talk about the impact of Frank Pollock and that he buys in on that. So, I think there's going to be improvement. I think we just got to maybe temper expectations. And I think if they play, like I've said this a bunch of times, if they play at a mid mid NFL level, if they are top half of the NFL, middle of the pack, 
I think you're going to see some good things from this team in this offense. So I think maybe that's where our expectations are. That's that's at least where mine are. I think, John. Oh man, if they if they reach above average level, like all these guys are going to ball out. I guess. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like I think it's it's only fair to to expect them to be slightly better than last year, and yeah. I think they can go far with, be, with being slightly better than last year. But again, this is as much as we like Jackson Carmen, the guy and the, the the potential. It's just a lot of unknown. And if he's not it, then Xavier Suafila, who by and large has been a career backup, it, it really all comes down to Frank Pollock. And I think that hype is real. I think everyone buys into him, and I think his practices and his techniques are very valid. And he's got he's got the resume to, to back that up. But you know, it really comes down to getting the most out of these guys. And if he gets the most out of these guys, it's not going going to be a top unit, but it's going to be good enough. That's yeah. That's, I, I think, the hope, at least for this year. John, do you have another one before we maybe get to a breakout player, or what do you what, what do you got? I don't know, man. We, we, we kind of went through three. This, this is a little bit more than I was I was uh, expecting a little bit. So. Okay, I think I had. Segment, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I guess we could go with that. I talked about let's, – let's go here, and then maybe we'll get to a breakout player if we've got enough time. The defensive ends are looking pretty good. And namely Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson. A lot of people weren't big fans of the Hendrickson signing, but um, he has been doing a lot of different things. He they've been dropping him into coverage. Thanks, Lou. And uh, a lot of a lot of different things, kicking him inside. I guess he had a pass interception of Joe Burrow at practice the other day, and has has really been doing well. I just mentioned that Sam Hubbard really took the rookie Deontay Smith to work uh, the <laughs> the other day at practice. Sounded like that wasn't good, um, but I. I do like the fact that Hubbard is showing well after coming off of a contract extension. I do like that Trey Hendrickson is showing well after his big contract signing. Uh, believe the hype here or still just more struggles from that offensive line that's a work in progress? Yeah, I'm going to have to wait on wait and see on this one. Um, Sam Hubbard beating the drum off of Deontay Smith was fun, but there's some context with that that needs to be inputted there. Uh by all accounts, I think Jonah Williams has had a really good training camp. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what he's done, I guess, in terms of his individual performance against Trey Hendrickson. Um, but I, I need to see these guys like play an actual game and just to see if, if this, this hype is real, because we, we, we literally hear this every training camp the defensive line is eating, it's feasting. It's going to have 50 sacks. This is, this is the scheme for it. But like, I, I, I need, I need to see it because there was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of turnover with this group and it's a lot of unknown in terms of if they can improve, if Trey Anderson specifically can build off of that performance last year. I think in terms of scheme fit, it's fine. Like it, it works for now. It's it's working right now, but I, I, I've learned my lesson too many times about hyping up defensive lines and training camp, especially against offensive lines that are still working to, to really form some continuity. So I'm, I'm going to wait to see if this actually works in game. I am a little bit in wait and see mode as well. We've been burned by some of these defensive end acquisitions in the past. I remember Antoine Oda. I remember he was the beast in training camp and in practices and they wouldn't let him leave Cincinnati. They wouldn't let him get on the plane. And then there was Carl Powell, a guy that Marvin Lewis really liked. And then there were, you know, all these guys that were brought in specifically to rush the passer and do different things. And uh, they look great in practice and it never fully materialized. I will say this. I like what I'm hearing and I like, the things that these guys are showing. And I like that they are showing it after receiving big contracts, but I think the Bengals, they're going to need to get creative at times to generate pressure. 
There's not the Geno Atkins presence in the middle. They're hoping to recreate that at some level with a myriad of different players. We'll see if they're able to, if they're able to get close to it with some of the guys, Larry Ogunjobi, et cetera. But th- there's no prime t- prime career Geno Atkins right in the middle of the defense to anchor everything. Um, so they're going to have to kind of get creative to generate pressure from different spots, John. I, I think these guys, you know, Sam Hubbard will win an occasional one-on-one, I think. I think Trey Hendrickson is the same, but I think they've got to ratchet things up. you got to see Hendrickson take the next step where he can build off of the great year he had last year, and you want to see Sam Hubbard be a, add a little bit more pass rush to the edge defense, the run defense uh, prowess that he has shown. So um, that's I'm a little bit in wait and see. I like what I'm hearing, but I'm not fully buying in yet. I, I can't. I even if even if this group is as talented as we think it is, and they were just dominating. Oh my God, sorry about that. It's Anthony Munoz calling you. <laughs> yeah, even even if there was prime Geno Atkins out there, even if there was prime Carlos Dunlap out there, like this is still going up against an offensive line that's still kind of learning itself. So I think it, it should just be the standard to just kind of wait and see how these guys do against other other offensive lines and how it goes for the rest of the season because. Right now, we just don't know who is going to basically lead this group in terms of getting to the quarterback and really finishing those sacks because that has been a problem for the first two years under Anarumo. It is. <laughs> How about underscore 29 says you hung up on me, John? Uh, so uh, <laughs> that might be – I think that's Chris Hubbard, actually. So um, anyway, that was, that was pretty funny. But good stuff. That's a, an initial – believe it or not segment. Maybe we'll make this a little bit more of a regular thing as training camp and the regular season ensue. We've got a few more minutes, so we're going to get to a breakout player this week and we'll get there in just a second. Just want to remind folks of a couple of things. Number one, if you haven't yet go donate to, we'll put the link once again in the live chats. It's on the Cincy jungle post hate to keep hammering you for and hitting you up for money, but this isn't going to John and I, this is going to three very worthy causes. We are pretty close to a lofty goal that we have set to help out the charities founded by and represented by the three players entering the ring of honor, the Munoz Foundation, Ken Anderson Alliance, and of course the Ken Riley Foundation. We've got quite a bit of money, so uh, we, we, we're looking for a little bit more to have a big, big impact. We've got prizes for folks, so make sure if you do donate, get us your contact information. So if you do win some prizes, we will let you know. Got all kinds of Bengals stuff, Ken Anderson Alliance swag, maybe some CJ and OBI stuff for you. So donate, even if it's 13 bucks for Ken Riley's number, jersey number, 14 bucks for Ken Anderson's, seven or eight or 15 bucks for Anthony Munoz. Every little bit helps. And you can hear if you listen to him last week, if you listen to Anthony Munoz today, you hear all the awesome stuff those those charities are doing, and that would make your money go to work for those great causes. So please do that. And of course, if you like what we do on this show and on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, please subscribe to the channel on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones. We are on it. Leave us a review if you could. That would be awesome. And if you like the YouTube stuff we're doing, if you like to tune in live, please subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit the notifications bell and uh, give us a thumbs up on the videos if you could. That helps visibility and uh, a little bit of growth for our channel, which we always appreciate. But uh, appreciate everybody's support and all of the people tuning in live. However, you may be tuning in live or after the fact. That's fine, too. John, I know you've got a breakout player, so uh, we will get to that in just a sec. 
you got? I think it's good business to line up these segments with current events to make it very topical. And mm-hmm. someone who has been getting some attention on the defensive side of the ball for good reasons is none other than Logan Wilson. Um, we talked about Wilson, I think, a couple days ago about his increased role within the defense. He's now wearing the green dot, so he's communicating with defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo and the, and the defensive staff as basically like the, the captain, leader of the defense, if you will, making all the calls and the adjustments on the line. And I think that was the plan, you know, going into Wilson's career here last year. Like he was supposed to be a role player, you know, a rotational guy, have specific roles in this defense, you know, behind some veterans and Jermaine Pratt and specifically Josh Bynes. But now that Bynes is gone, you know, that hole on on defense, that linebacker has to be vacated by someone. And I think we all kind of assumed it was going to be Wilson. He just has the resume, the build, the athleticism to do so. And sure enough, that is the case. You know, they didn't get anyone else in free agency. They didn't draft anyone. They didn't address the position at all, really outside of just a couple of minor signings. It, it's Logan Wilson's show to kind of run next to Jermaine Pratt in the in the base defense. And I think that at least early indications of training camp, everything is going well. You know, he's he's getting in the right spots. He's filling in his, in his gaps. There's only so much that we can gauge from the early parts of training camp with, with this stuff. But by all indications, he has handled the increase of responsibilities very well. And I think j- just watching him last year, because when I did the rookie reports, you know, it was just him and the King Davis Gaither. You know, they, they would play like 30, 20 snaps a game. But I think with both of them, and especially Wilson, as the year kind of went on, there was just a little bit more consistency. There's a little bit more understanding of where he needed to be. I, I referenced the Giants game, you know, a lot when thinking about him because he had like a couple pressures in that game. He had a cr- crucial third down stop on like a third and 12 or third and 11. He had a couple of good plays and coverage just over the middle. It was the little things that that allowed him to, I, I think, gain more snaps as the year went on. Like the last three full weeks that he was healthy, he played in, in a combined 120 snaps, an average of 40 a game. And he was, he wasn't listed as a starter, but he was basically playing the majority of, of games down the stretch. And, you know, Josh Bynes was a good player for, for the defense last year, but he was never going to be a long, a long-term fixture. And I think they saw enough of Wilson last year to basically give him the reins fully. But, you know, it is hard for rookies, for linebackers to come in as rookies and, and kind of look the part. You see that all over, all over the league, like Patrick Queen, the first linebacker drafted in the last year, he was, not very good for the Ravens last year, but there's still talent and there's still promise for him to be a good player. But I think the same goes for Wilson, who, you know, what didn't have that level of pre-draft pre-draft hype to, to attach to his name coming from Wyoming. You know, wasn't that that really well known? He wasn't didn't blow anyone away at the combine or, or in his pro day, but he did well enough. And I think there is enough athleticism, there's enough pass production to look forward to Logan Wilson to being a solid linebacker, which is so rare for the Bengals, (laughs) at least in the past 10 years. We've talked about it so many times, but I think out of all of the previous third-round linebacker investments the Bengals have made in the past decade, 15 years plus now, I think Logan Wilson has the chance to be the best one for his all-around you know, resume, for who he is as a player. I think we're going to see that pay dividends in 2021. Landon Johnson, Caleb Miller. Landon Johnson was okay, by the way, but Caleb Miller, uh, P.J. Dawson. Malik Jefferson, uh, Dante Moak. I mean, you get you go. The list goes on and on and on and on about linebackers that the Bengals missed on in the third round and guys that just were not long term answers. And I think that the, the there is hope for that for this kid. And it's a lot of based on what you said and based on what we saw last year. And I, I like the fact that he not only was was playing a little bit. Uh, 
I guess you would say a little, little bit more heady for a, a linebacker as a rookie than you usually see. But I also like that he brought a little bit of that playmaking ability that he had, the ability to create turnovers. I think he had two interceptions last year. I'd have to go look, but had his hands on another couple. And, uh, you know, that the, the ability to create turnovers is something – it's not even just adequate play or average play that this team has been lacking out of linebackers before some things that we saw last year – and after Vontez, Bur- the prime Vontez perfect left, there was a, a gap of just some really poor linebacker play by this team. It's not even just that. It's the ability to create those game-changing plays, John. Um, you know, he had, a, I think it was against Lamar Jackson. He had a great, you know, tumbling interception. And it, it's those types of plays. It's yes, it's being in the right position. Yes, not missing tackles on the regular. Yes, being able to get your defense off the field on a third and long situation by making a play like you referenced in that Giants game, but it's also creating those game-changing plays. And we talked about how the secondary needs to create more turnovers. They need to be better as well. The pass rush needs to improve, but the linebacker group, they're responsible for making the occasional game-changing plays as well. And I liked what I saw out of him last year. And I I think that that there's a good, uh, a good ceiling for him with this team and what they ask him to do plays to his strengths. And I like him. I like the pick at the time. And I, I like what I saw at times last year. And I think there's going to be some, some noticeable growth again this year. He had a really, I don't want to say basic, but a quote that we've heard a lot before with second year players. And he said this as courtesy of the Cincinnati Inquirer quote last year, it was just trying to find my footing, trying to understand certain schemes this year, I have a better foundation of all that stuff. So it's definitely helping me translate to playing a little faster. And again, it it could be any player that you could possibly think of entering their second year. That quote has been said, or at least paraphrased numerous times. <laughs> but, but what does it actually mean? And how, how does it actually translate into better success? I think Wilson is different than the guys who have come before him because not only does he have like the timed athleticism, but he has the on-field athleticism to actually utilize that speed that quickness that change of direction ability and it's also just the general awareness of of where to be i think being a 50 game starter at wyoming and just you know doing all the things that traditional linebackers do there wasn't any transition in terms of learning a new position like maybe jermaine pratt had to do or akeem davis gaither had to do i think he is just like what a traditional linebacker has looked like but he also has that modern day athleticism to him that allows him to be in the right spots and like you said when you are in the right spots consistently and when you do have a general understanding a better understanding of where you are the game the game breaking plays the game making play ability that that just comes with the territory that 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 will come when you consistently hit your spots when you consistently fill your gaps and when you're in the right place in coverage And i think wilson is kind of all these things kind of wrapped up into one linebacker and i'm propping him up like he's Ray Lewis or something. He's not that. He might ne- he may never be that. But I think in terms of just being a solid player where he needs to be, but also having the athleticism to make some plays that other linebackers can't, I think he can be that guy. Ironically about that quote, it's when you hear that, you make it – well, not, not you, but Logan made it seem like, man, he was out of position a ton last year. I didn't really feel that way. Like I, I, I was – I mean, there were times and there was a bad angle there, oh, a little bit out of position. But it's not like it was a super regular thing where I was like, man, this guy is just lost. And he he made it kind of seem that way, and now there's that growth. So I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. I just found that to be quite kind of ironic. 
And I do think the the thing you referenced at the very beginning of this segment, the fact that he is wearing that earpiece in the in the helmet, I think that speaks volumes as to what Luana Rumo and this team thinks of him unless they have him. I remember some some moments early in the season. I think the Cleveland game kind of sticks out to me, but that yeah. was really a collective, colossal failure. But <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that that just comes with the territory. That was that was his second career game. It was like four days after his first right. career game, and he was being asked to play a lot of snaps because they were just running the ball down their throats. But again, as the season went on, you saw more consistency out of him, and and I think it was good by by the coaching staff to not ask him to do too much. You know, he was never playing more than like 60 snaps a game. He was never playing like on, on early downs. He was mainly just like on second and long or just third downs and pass coverage. But as the season went on, he started to just kind of find his footing more and more. And now he's, I mean, there, there are no limitations with him now. He's, he's a full-time starter. He's going to probably play around a thousand snaps and we're really going to see where that progression is. But again, I think at athleticism, awareness, and just general, just, intellect like you don't give the green dot to someone that you don't trust will make those correct adjustments and won't be where he needs to be I I think we're going to see that progress this year so Logan Wilson is our potential breakout players of 2021 makes the list on our show there good stuff John let's drop the mic and get out of here we're already an hour in this episode has flown by this might be one of my favorite episodes personally speaking this is this has been a good episode I like it uh what do you what do you have for us on our way out so I just want to give a quick shout out to my cousin, Kristen. Um, a couple months ago, I gave a shout out to my uncle, Jeff. It was his birthday back in May, but um, my, my family members are big Bengals fans. They have season tickets on the south end zone. They go to basically every game. But my cousin, Kristen, just I gave birth to her firstborn son, nice. uh, Barrett Jeffrey um, is, is his first and middle name. So that, that, that that's, the, that's the first like birth in terms of like my my. It's my grandma's first great-grandchild, so it was a pretty big moment in our family. So a quick shout-out to them because I know that they're big Bengals fans and they're obviously family. But also, last week, I made a declaration on here saying that if we raised our goal of $2,021 for our charity fest, which is still going on, you can find the link in in the chat for the GoFundMe. Um, We did not raise yet $2,021, but we are up to $1,100. And $39, thanks to a total of 25 donations, including uh, a handful of donations that have gotten us over $1,000. And I feel like I, I made the promise to chug an entire tablet of hot sauce. If we, read, if we got to $2,000, we'd not get there. But we are halfway there, so I will meet you all halfway with my friend's spontaneous combustion here. Uh-oh. And we're just, we're just going to do it and see how it goes. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> what what are we tasting here? What are we? I, I feel I've like had, know where oh they god, I've had better <laughs> ideas. I, I I don't even know what this tastes like. Ooh, it like it it. What is? It? Oh god, it's like it's like pepper skin, but burnt to a crisp. Maybe it's on my lips too sweating a bit i think my face kind of looks red i'm gonna get some lemon juice real quick <laughs> oh my gosh i feel like we're on that show where they eat the the spicy wings oh my gosh that is just unbelievable uh i i don't know if we're getting john back i i hope we're getting him back uh i don't want to 
Oh, he's 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 back. All right, he's got a little lemon juice here. Is this what, what are we? <laughs> I heard I heard the stuff helps. This is lemon juice. Yeah, don't they? Oh, oh man, that your taste buds are just hating you right now. Oh my god, it's supposed to help. We'll see. <laughs> what's so? Uh, real quick, what's the? Isn't there a little scale of? This is a million. This is a million Scovels. A million of these bad boys are having it out of my mouth right now. <sighs> oh my goodness! Oh, I, I wow, wow, that is okay. Well. We, we're getting a lot. We got we're getting a lot of comments on it. So if you want to see John, I, well, I don't know. Should I volunteer you for it? I don't even know. But if you want to see John finish that second half of that pepper jar, uh, you got You got to donate. You got to donate. We're actually John. You 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 would like to know, or I'm sure you would like to know. We're actually up to eleven fifty nine now. We had another uh, donation midway through the show, so appreciate that. But uh, man, he left he left that. Uh, those taste buds, my friend. That seems. Whew. It's. It's. I made the mistake. I. I. I watch hot ones a lot. That's the one. Like, hot ones, yeah. Yeah, and like, oh god, I need to be be careful of my eyes. Um, like, and I know, like, you're not supposed to, like, you're not supposed to touch your lips or anything like that. You're not, you're not supposed to get on your lips, and that's where it, that's where it hurts the most. Oh, now it's in my. Okay, now now it's in my tongue a little bit. Uh oh. All right. So it went from the lips to the tongue. Uh oh. I think better if I just don't talk for the rest of the rest of the show. I think you got to handle the outro a little bit. All right. Well, we'll just <laughs> get some. Uh, Chris says get some bread. That'll help. Uh, heartburn incoming. And then, of course, we love – we pride ourselves on being a classy, classy show. So we are going to bring you Brian and Iowa's nice comment here. You'll feel that one on the way out. So let's end on a classy note there. Uh, you, you all right? You, you look like you're breathing heavy. You all right? You know – I think I'm I think I'm being dramatic. It's 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 not as bad as I thought, but it's still yeah, it's painful. <laughs> All right. Well don't try that at home, by the way, folks. Uh that is John giving the folks what they want because you have been generous with your donations. The link to donate is in the live chats. John, heal up, my friend. Heal up on that one. Please, please, please donate to help out the Ken Anderson Alliance, the Munoz Foundation, and the Ken Riley Foundation. We'll only have this uh, GoFundMe going for just a little bit longer here. So get in, get some prizes, and uh, get us your contact information. Take care, everybody. Thanks to Anthony Munoz and the Munoz Foundation for his appearance today. We are going to get out of here. Enjoy your re the rest of your week. We will see you soon. Take it easy.